This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was a thrilling day of test cricket yesterday. And this test match for all the doom and gloom that we had coming into the summer about how boring it could potentially be. This test match has produced some fire and spice, which has been absolutely fantastic. As I welcome you, Bryce McGain, who was there at the MCG yesterday. Had a great day yesterday, Coxie. I'm glad you pointed out it's Friday because not many people know what day it is of the week at the moment. So uh, it is Friday. You're getting close to a weekend, but every day's a weekend at the moment. But no, had a terrific day at the MCG and uh, it was Australia were under some real tension there. Uh, Four early wickets and, and Pakistan... There was silence around uh, the past players' room, I can assure you. There was a lot of very, very quiet uh, people suddenly in a bit of shock. Um, Obviously, the expectation that Australia would go on their merry way, but uh, it's good to see the Pakistanis, I think, um, showing a lot of fight, but showing not only the fight in the game, but also that they're learning through every experience they've got, and the bowling attack came out in in that second innings and pitched the ball up. They attacked the stumps. And they were the deliveries that were getting edged, and uh, it was it was a really exciting day of cricket. And Mitch Marsh, well, he just keeps stamping his credentials as going from I, I don't know whether he was the villain of Australian cricket, but he was much maligned. Like, and there weren't too many people, and they thought, how many chances we've got to give this guy? But now he's much loved, and I, I think it, it's come about because he's been so open and vulnerable, nearly about how he's sort of felt and what he's had to learn along his career career and now he's a shining light 96 unfortunately couldn't get over the line with 100 he came out a couple of years ago and said he knows that Australia hates him that, that was one of his quotes or a very similar sort of line to that he was booed back in 2018 at the Boxing Day test he was booed yep. because he took the spot of Pete Hanscom in the side being the Victorian the Victorian crowd took umbrage at that and Weren't too pleased that Marsh had got another opportunity or another Marsh had got another opportunity at that stage, considering that there was frustration at the time with both Sean and Mitch and people questioning why they were in the Australian side. But what he has been able to achieve, and even if you reflect on his 2023 or even just the last six months, and it does go a little further back than that. The World Cup of 2021, I think it was when over in Dubai, where we won the T20 tournament, where he was a crucial part of that campaign. That's when he really started for me to change the tone and the sentiment around him. And from there, he's just blossomed. And yesterday's result, maybe with a little bit of fortunate luck early in the piece when he was was on 20 runs and, um, 
Well, we'll may explore the Pakistan fielding a little later on this morning, but geez, that that was an off. At that point, if if he had gone down, if that wicket had fallen, and Australia was five for not very much, Pakistan would have been in the box seat. In fact, I I would go as far as suggesting they had the game in their grasp if they had taken that wicket, and they didn't. No, they didn't, and. Uh, it- Australia were in a really vulnerable position there and uh, they found their way out of it. And that's what good teams do when they are challenging that way. So that was pretty pleasing. But uh, what was more pleasing also was just the engagement of the the crowd. It was a terrific crowd. Um, Loving the cricket, knowing that Australia were were challenged there. Um, Respectful of, you know, the the battle that Pakistan were putting up, not only with the ball that we've spoken about, but also with the bat. So the, the crowd was, there was great energy around the MCG and, I'd actually anticipated that uh, there wouldn't be that many people there in day three. I thought, oh, gee, this could be a bit thin. But it just goes to show, um, and I don't think it's anything to do with any other states. I know there's a huge debate at the moment between uh, a number of the states, Perth and Adelaide, and Adelaide feeling disrespected, um, uh, as in the, the, the Premier of the state. You know, oh, we've got the West Indies again. This is no good. But I think what, what it shows is that... Um, the Australian public wants to go and see this team because they're good. And it's the last chance we're going to see this team in this current format. Um, there was a great acknowledgement, even though Dave Warner missed out in that second innings, there's a huge acknowledgement of his career as he went off and he just put up a bit of a wave as he walked off the ground. And, you know, people were, he got a standing ovation. It was fantastic. Gave his gloves to a couple of kids as yep. he disappeared down the race and that'll create memories forever for those individuals that shared his gloves as he departed the field. You were at the MCG yesterday. You didn't happen to get stuck in a lift, did you? Did you hear about this? Well, we delayed the game. Seven minutes. It's outrageous. <laughs> what is cricket coming to? It's it's clearly the best sport in the world. There was a, um, yeah, uh, I'll get up the tweet about that, um, which I found quite humorous because we delayed... The whole game, the whole broadcast that went round the world everywhere because a third umpire was stuck in a lift. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, spare me. Like cricket. Oh, gee, we're, we're a funny game. Poor, we are a funny game. Poor old Richard. And then there was a, the vision of him in the uh, umpire's box as he's walking down, which I think from memory they use the coaches' boxes at the MCG, which do have their own lift, I'm pretty sure, out the back. Um, there was a vision of him walking into the box and it didn't look like a great deal of urgency when he arrived. It, it didn't feel like the entire world was waiting on him as he just overviewed the box, surveyed it, and then took his seat, took his jacket off. It was very casual. Not yeah. like we were waiting to get underway or anything, Richard. Maybe he was uh, completely unaware. I don't know whether you know he knew that the game was getting held up for that and just thought, oh, I'll just get away with this. But every camera was pointed in there to see what he's up to. Um, extraordinary that we yeah, delay everything around the world in cricket for uh, someone stuck in a lift. But no, I wasn't stuck in a lift. But uh, uh, we we just talking off air before and um, probably one of the plum jobs as a, a youngster, I guess, um, growing up is working at the MCG, the MCC and, and being an usher and you were sharing your experience in, in, in doing so and yes. um, and uh, well looked after in all the sporting events and so forth. But there is a spot at the MCG that has zero vision. Yes. And you did explain that story. Yes. So the, well, the reason this came up in our conversations was because yesterday when the marsh wicket fell, there was a, a shot of 
uh, Jeff Marsh up in the stands and lying back in the chair in, in absolute despair, going, oh, no, he, he was so close, as most of the crowd was, including the MCG usher that stood behind that was in that vicinity. And there were a couple of camera shots that showed the despair on his face. And that immediately resonated with me because for a long period of time, I did do a bit of work at the MCG with the orange coat and prior to that the green coat I'm yes. not old enough to wear the old red and blue coat that existed but uh, that immediately resonated because you can't help even though you've got to try and remain professional and uh, offer the customer service sometimes there are those moments at that venue that is so special where you just get caught up and take it away and uh, so I resonated with that but yes there are a few spots that so it, gr- great to work at because you obviously get to experience a lot of different things, concerts, sporting events. The Liverpool match, which I worked at, was phenomenal. Absolutely yes. phenomenal. But there was one Anzac Day, and being a, an Essendon supporter, you always were thrilled to be able to get a, a nice vantage point on, uh, on Anzac Day if you got posted in the right location. But this one particular Anzac Day, I was out the back of what was then called the Great Southern Stand, now the Shane Warren Stand, on level two, on one of the stairwells, no TV, no vision of the ground, not even a window looking out onto Yarra Park. <laughs> it was just a concrete jungle. And it's all you could see. So for, I think it was a six-hour shift I had that day, I had a stool, which was great because it was very... Oh, they gave you a stool. It was very rare that you got to sit down. I got a little stool to check the tickets as people walked up the stairwell, but no vision. No vision of. What I was, was expecting unfolding. you to maybe just to get a rubber mat to stand on. I've yeah, seen they, those around yeah, at the moment, they, just to ease the standing on the hard I'll concrete. Tell you what, for a test match, geez, the legs got sore. For for those staff that could be tuning in this morning and heading in, I'm feeling for you because <laughs> if you've done the first three days and you're backing up heading into the fourth, I've been there and. Uh, yeah, it's tiring. The ankles are hurting even thinking about it. <laughs> uh, and those rubber mats is. As good as they look, for a test match, they don't do much. They, well, the idea is they ease a bit of that uh, hardness off the concrete. But I, I can relate because the, I walked around that level two area. Um, we had a function with the ACA, the Players Association, which was absolutely fantastic. Great to catch up with so many people there. But walking back and around um, to visit some friends um, and, uh, and and touch, touch base with uh, with my wife, actually, who's watching around the other side of the, the ground, um, we... Uh, I walk past that area and I've never seen a, a, an usher so pleased to see a face <laughs> and excited. Hi, how are you going? And because uh, there's not much to look at. He's literally in a concrete box and y- you can relate. Yeah, I, I can I can picture myself in that situation and I feel for whoever's got that post. I think it's about in one or two or somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, whoever's got that today. Good luck because you're in for a long day. Uh, that's my advice uh, to you. But no credit to it. And all the staff at the MCG that work throughout this Christmas and holiday period as everyone's taking time off to escape the city and those that are going along to the cricket to enjoy, those that are having to still maintain the the work and the logistical elements of it all and obviously everyone else who's still working throughout this period, a similar sort of uh, sentiment, but... Um, Yes, no, there's some great memories that I've got from work, working at BG. 
Yeah, and that carries on to a, a lot of the guys I coach in football and, and, and some cricket as well work there, and uh, they love it. They yeah. absolutely love the opportunity just that, as you've gone through as well. So I don't know whether they're hiring at the moment, uh, the MCC, in the, in the new year or something. Just, but uh, just, it, just gave them a good plug. Yeah, <laughs> it's well worth doing. <laughs> Look for those opportunities because uh, you're right around the best venue in the world. Absolutely. Now, we just alluded to the fact that everyone's almost out of town. The roads are quite bare. Boxing Day morning, I remarked to you how many caravans, ski boats were heading up the highway at yep. about 4.30 in the morning. And given that we're heading into another long weekend, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, a lot of people taking the opportunity before for some work might start back up early next week or maybe even the week after if you're lucky enough. But I wanted to pose the question this morning, because there are so many of us travelling, where are you going? 0433981116 on the 40 Wings temper text. If you're lucky enough to be escaping the city, where are you going? We're searching for some recommendations as well for some of the hidden locations and some of the hidden spots. And that includes coffee stops for those that are taking road trips. Where's the best coffee on what particular highway? Some great pub locations. There's always a great country pub. I reckon they're the two recommendations you need, a good country pub and a good country bakery that serves good coffee. Yes. They're the two things. If you're doing a road trip that you need, playlist, who's in control of the playlist and what genre is forms that road trip playlist. And Geordie and I were having a conversation the other day out the back. I'm not sure whether you might have been in the room when we were having this, Bryce, but Geordie knows someone who's done up an old van Purely to go travelling in. Brilliant. Kitted out fully. Done a magnificent job of it. Bed, kitchen. I think there's even a spot for the dog, isn't there, Geordie, that he's created inside this this van to go on a road trip with. So what's the what's what have you done and how what's what's basically your kit for the road trip? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen or one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And the other thing that often comes up this time of year with a lot of people going camping, there's some doozy stories out there and there's some family arguments that often come. I can think back to when I've been camping and we've had to put up a marquee because it looked as though it was going to be a very wet weekend and the arguments that unfolded because, no, that pin's got to go in there and, no, you should have lifted that part first and then, <laughs> no, that tarp's supposed to go over the roof there and, no, you haven't pushed that far enough down and, oh, it's all chaotic and everyone just wants to have a beer and sit down around the fire. But we stand there for three hours trying to get the stupid marquee up. <laughs> So there's plenty of those sort of camping stories, I reckon, out there as well. So if you want to share it, if you're heading into the weekend or maybe you've returned after the Christmas break and you've got some stories to share on that front with us this morning, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. Does any spring to mind for you where you've been travelling or camp? Have you ever been camping? I have been camping. It's probably not my number one thing to be doing and I've just had um, summer's generally busy time for for us who continue to work through but uh, look I, I, I enjoy it um, uh, I've been up to uh, Yarrawonga a friend of ours uh, oh, family would go up there every year I think they, they still go up there it might be you know 30 40 years they continue to go up there at the Yarrawonga caravan park and we'd go up there and uh, it's 30 probably five to 38 degrees at six in the morning. And, uh, 
it, it, it's like a little furnace, your tent, and you're just going, yeah, this, yeah, this is unbearable. And you, you either go to the lake or you go to the river. Either way, you just got to be sitting in water. It's just really, really hot. But a good time around friends, and that's what, uh, and bringing families together. So that's that's the part I enjoyed about it. Early morning golf that was quite pleasurable, but. Well, again, at ten o'clock, it's like forty degrees. Like it was, it was just about unbearable. But uh, look, this um, and that's probably the only time I've really done some hard. Not, it's not even hardcore camping. Let's be honest. I'm in the <laughs> in the caravan park for goodness' sake. <laughs> There's facilities and everything. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a real rookie at it. But uh, no, I'm interested to hear. And you might be on the road this morning. Doesn't a dad like an early leave? Like kids, oh. we're up early. We're leaving at four. We're going to beat the traffic. We're not going to get stuck in the traffic with a van on the back, with the stuff on the roof. It's not going to happen. Or the boat wobbling on the back. We're not going to do it. We're leaving at four. And the kids are like, what? What? And they're just ripped out of bed in their pajamas still. There's a group on the road. There'll be hundreds of them now. All, all making the move for uh, where they're headed off to in camping. So we'd love to hear from you. If you can do that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call or give your phone to the kid in the back seat and they can send a text in on 04 double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Because that was one thing that baffled me when I saw them all going up on Boxing Day. You've probably missed the prime location for camping if you are going to a, a free camping kind of setup because everyone would have got away prior to Christmas or some would have got away prior to Christmas. So you would have missed the boat. Not sure it's worth getting up at three o'clock for some uh, clear water either if you're spending the next two weeks up there. I'm very curious to find out what the decision is for uh, getting underway at about 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm Dads going love to it. They love the early start. I'll tell you what, they can come in to do tradies news in a nutshell then in 2024. <laughs> we all know you, Bryce, as a very uh, astute cricket analytic. Okay. Analysis. Analysis. Where are we going where we go? Well, you've mentioned a couple of things, and I've also subsequently found out a couple of things about you over the last week. Okay. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to just throw some uh, questions without notice about Bryce McGain at Ah, you. right. I see. I'm looking at something different on the screen here. I'm looking you know, at sports I've, update that we're, we're, we're approaching soon. I've caught you out here. Yeah, you have. I've caught yeah, you on the this is definitely without notice. Righto. <laughs> Okay. I'm... Denmark. You yeah. mentioned earlier in the week when I rattled off who you'd represented, that Denmark was included in the uh, the long list of teams that you've played for. Yeah, certainly not like a. I haven't been around to all the you know all the T Twenty teams around the world. Some guys have played for thirty teams. Anyway, I'm not like that. <laughs> no, but carry on. But where did Denmark come from? Uh, well, I, I went over there to. Um, it, it was, look, it's a long time ago now. So I'd, I'd played a couple of Shield games and uh, it was then um, on the fringe, I suppose, of the squad. And uh, so I wanted to advance my coaching a bit. So I got an opportunity to go and coach a club in Denmark. Um, cricket is a, is a small sport in Denmark, but they have some really talented players. So a number of players have actually gone across and played county cricket in England and um, the competition at that time, which is, you know, 20 years ago now, um, was was reasonable, was pretty strong. Um, and uh, each team would have also an overseas player that would then cover the coaching. So I coached from what what they had, the mini puds, um, which was sort of the under 10s, so the absolute beginners, all the way up to the senior team. And um, there was a, a women's team as well. So being involved in, in, in a club. And then from that, being there and... Uh, I then had an opportunity to um, 
assist with the the national team. So um, was an assistant coach of a national team. And back in that time, they played, they had some qualification for the one-day competition in England. So some of those European countries, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, and a few others, would uh, Scotland, Ireland, uh, would come together and qualify into the one-day cup. It used to be called the Gloucester Cup. So in that, you could have an overseas player. So... Um, after doing okay um, and playing over there and um, not, you know, going all right, I got a chance to play for Denmark. So that's how it came about. No Danish heritage, nothing like that. But I've, I, I still have a really strong connection now after I did that for a couple of years and uh, it, and it, it lit up my coaching, really enjoyed that. But, um, yeah, really, uh, it was a great experience and played a, a list day game and, and got a 50 um, that sits in the record. So, uh, it so played te- against te- Leicestershire. Technically, uh, you're an all-rounder then. Yeah, so I batted up the order. So that was the, the downfall of my whole career. I was shoved <laughs> down at 8-9 jack. And um, so I had the opportunity to bat up at 4 or 5 and, and got a 50 um, in the most unorthodox way. But I, I think I was probably striking at about 80, um, which was uh, all, all fear, no favour, and just uh, went for it and uh, a couple of wickets. So I had a great experience uh, in, in my time at Denmark, but particularly that, that list A game we played. And I'm guessing it would have given you a greater appreciation for the sport as well, considering obviously growing up here in Australia and it being one of the prominent sports and how much time and dedication that we spend on cricket here, but it would have given you a far greater appreciation for the sport more broadly on a global scale. It helped my coaching no end. It helped my game no end, not just from the playing, but teaching young kids who don't actually get to see it on telly like this and all they get to see is highlights so there's a combination of young danish kids but also there was a uh, quite quite an extensive um uh, Pakistani uh, and, and, and Indian um, immigration into Denmark. And so the families there that, who love their cricket, they were doing that. But all they got to see was highlights. And, and that was a, a Freddie belting sixes and all that sort of stuff. So they thought cricket was played that way. So we had having to teach young players, no, you actually can rotate the strike and drop and run and have fun doing that. And then suddenly all the loose balls start coming. So, look, I, we... Had an amazing time. We don't have a lot of time now to, to talk about it, but uh, coaching a, a young team there that those group went on now and represent Denmark um, in World Cup qualifying and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, these kids were eight, nine, ten at the time, and it was it, it was an amazing experience. And then to follow through and um, yeah, so it just continued my connection there. And uh, twenty years goes really fast. It, it feels like yesterday, but uh, it was an unbelievable experience going to do that.